Good morning and welcome to Global Sunday. Uh, today as a church family, we want to take some time to stop and talk together about what we're doing uh, globally in the world, especially in Thailand and here in Nepal. Uh, we got up this morning very early in Nepal at 5am so that we could come up to this uh, hill above uh, the town of Pokhara and have a beautiful view of the sun rising over the Himalayas. So behind me you will see the beautiful Himalayas shrouded in a God created cloud. Uh, so we've got up this morning, haven't been able to see anything we thought we'd see, uh, but that's okay. We're here with these wonderful pastors. You want to come around here? Wonderful group of Nepali uh, leaders here, and uh, we're going to introduce some of them to you during the service as well. So we hope you enjoy it today. And things will happen. There we go. Hey, welcome to Global Sunday. Uh, if you thought that. The intro video with the non-view of the Himalayas was a bit awkward. Well, you should see the one we tried to film for the, from the Thailand team. It was a complete awkward mess. So that was the good one. All right. Really excited um, to be able to have the chance to share some stories with you today um, about a couple of our key global partnerships. Um, we're going to be hearing from uh, the team that went to, to Nepal. Um, uh, Brad and Roland are going to come and share with us. Um, about Barnabas School of Leadership. Love being involved with those guys. And also we're going to be talking about Project Thailand. So a team who went, um, that I was a part of, went to Thailand um, in March. And we're going to be talking a bit about that this morning. So really excited to have this chance to, to share these things with you. Firstly, uh, Project Thailand. Um, so this kicked off really uh, about six or seven years ago, I think, somewhere in that time frame, where as a church leadership we began to explore what would it look like for us as a church community to, to move into, into the global sphere. Uh, we'd intentionally been planted as a local church with a local community focus and intentionally not gone after anything kind of outside of, of New Zealand uh, in our early years. And so we um, were privileged to walk alongside um, Bright Hope World, uh, uh, who we've chosen as our um, uh, key global partner uh, for Project Thailand, and they actually were involved very early on in helping us to shape how it was um, or who we are, were as a church community and what our values were around global outreach. And they helped us think through, through some of those key things. And so we, uh, we, we then went away. We had a team look at and who should we be doing this with. And we actually came back and went, well, Bright Hope World are pretty awesome. Let's use those guys. We love the way that they are, they are field-driven. Um, they partner with local people uh, in the, working with the poorest of the poor and some very um, incredible situations where God is doing amazing work through incredible people, uh, yeah, local people right around the world. And so we loved what they were up to. We loved their heart, the way that they operate. Um, and so we decided to, um, to jump in the, in the walker with them and, uh, and get cracking on our global adventures. And so we decided to, uh, to kick that off in, in Thailand. Um, we looked at, you know, where could we start in the Pacific, in Africa, in, in Asia, and, and we made a call as a leadership. We wanted to start in, in Thailand, um, not an entirely unattractive place to go, um, of course, um, but, you know, pretty close, some great partnerships that, are, um, that they were involved in there. We, we knew of some things that were happening there through some of our other church connections that we just thought, man, we want to be a part of that. And so um, as our journey continues, you know, already we've, we've added Nepal in there, but we'll look to add other countries in as well. But we decided, yeah, a few years ago to kick off in in Thailand. And so, um, for 
For the third time, uh, a, a group of botany lifers headed over to, to Thailand um, in March this year. Um, so a group of four of us from here and a group of four from Bright Hope World, so part of their, their um, staff team and some of their supporters, we spent uh, about 10 days in Thailand. You're going to hear more about this in a moment. Uh, but I just wanted to pause and say to, thank you to, to you guys um, as a church community. Thank you to those of you who prayed, who prayed for the team, who prayed for um, safety, for um, good health. Uh, that was very appreciated uh, for just yeah, the ability for us to see God moving and what he was doing um, there on the ground in Thailand. So thank you for those of you who prayed before during and after. Uh, thank you for those of you who, who gave and are still giving towards uh, Project Thailand. Thank you to those of you who ate cupcakes and fudge and all sorts of other sugar-laden treats that probably you, some of you probably made and then paid to eat. Um, I never really understand how that works, but hey, I got to eat something too, so not really complaining. So, so thank you for, for the various ways in which you... Um, yeah, supported, uh, have, have, and have supported and continue to support Project Thailand. Um, I'm going to get off the stage now, though, and, in, and welcome up the funnest member of the team, Harrison Carr. Welcome him up. He, wants, he wanted to come running up the aisle. Do you want to do that? I'm going to hand... No, come over here. Um, Harrison, well, yeah, we had good times, and we're going to hear a little bit about some of that, so I'll hand over to you now. Thanks. Yes. Thanks, Mark. All right, so on the 17th of March, we headed to Bangkok, um, where we were greeted when we landed by our, the awesome team from Bright Heart World. Um, yeah, we loved hanging out with them. Uh, the next day, we were sent on a scavenger hunt around Bangkok just to kind of explore the city a bit more and really get a feel for how it all is, like, especially the traffic. Oh. <laughs> the view from the tallest building in Bangkok. Um, one thing that stood out for me was actually how bad the traffic was. I didn't really realise how bad it was until we were there. It's... And the power lines. <laughs> this is a, f a video of a few street foods. Just um, at a few markets. But yeah, um, so the day after that, we headed to Rahab. Um, and Rahab, they're an organisation who help women help get women out of the bars in the red light district of Bangkok. So basically what they do is they go into the bars and build relationships with the women and um, help find them for further employment, such as like a laundry mat and stuff is, is a few things that they're running currently. Um, yeah, so they were really awesome and we heard some awesome stories and we'll share more about that later in the year. Um, the day after that, we, got a, we were lucky enough to visit the Good News team, who's another organization and what they do is they go into different schools around Bangkok and share the gospel with the kids and teachers there so it was really cool to hear all their stories and see all the material that they have um, for me personally since I studied graphic design it was really cool to meet the graphic design team for them and um, yeah just like hear about all the work that they do for that the day after that we got to visit um, Prasert and Chunjit um, so Prasert, she runs House of Hope. It's pretty much known as a safe place in the community. Um, and what they do is they 
host music lessons, English lessons, church, and a bunch of other activities like that. So it was really cool hearing all those um, as well. Uh, and Trinjit, she, what she does is she goes into men's prisons and shares the gospel with them. So yeah, it was really cool to hear their stories as well. And like I said, we'll hear more about that later in the year as well. Um, so that, yeah, we didn't get too long in Bangkok, and then we headed up to Chiang Mai. So the plane ride was very bumpy. I cannot stress that enough. <laughs> Some people kissed the ground as soon as we landed. <laughs> Mel, it was Mel. <laughs> um, but now, when we hopped off the plane, um, we jumped straight into some utes and took a four-hour trip up to Omkhoi. It was a very, it was very dirty and bumpy roads on the way up. So it's just a short video. Yeah, so we stayed the night at Bank um, at Omkoi, and um, Omkoi is pretty much world famous for their chicken. Um, so here's a picture of Dad four years ago when he went to Thailand, and um, so we decided to kind of recreate the photo. <laughs> I don't know why there's more chicken on Dad's. Ah, oh, true. <laughs> um, but yeah, then we, uh, the next morning we got up and took another four-hour journey to the Hill Tribe Villages, um, so, which is really awesome. But yeah, so pretty much just an eight-hour journey from Chiang Mai to the villages. And I'll now invite Mel up. The boys give me a bit of grief because I don't know if you notice in the, the wider angles, the layers in the hills. <laughs> oh, so beautiful. I just love this part of the world. I love Thailand and it was a privilege for me to, to head over there and to be part of part of this team. The village that we're seeing here is called Maojo and it is um, where we stayed. Um, this is the school that is in Maojo that you can see here. That pond at the bottom is a fish pond where they, they buy a whole lot of fish and then they use it as their food source. So they grow the, fi grow the fish. I've never seen that before. I thought that was pretty cool. They grow food and stuff there as well. Um, Maojo is a town where an organisation that Bright Hope World partners with, ITDP, has been for many years. And they have done a whole lot of different things in this village. And they strategically go in and help with different things. And they've done this in many villages now around Thailand. So the, the sort of order of things that they do is they go in and they add water into these villages. So they have a safe source of water, big water towers. And then they... Um, they move on and add sanitation, so they have toilets and and um, so that stuff is dealt with a bit better. Gosh, it's beautiful, isn't it? And then they um, they give them education sources, so they they put little schools in these villages, um, and then post that they move into things like agriculture or adding medical clinics as well. And so this village that you've just seen has all those things, and they're running really well, well developed. Um, 
little village. But we have the privilege as Botany Life of being part of an organisation that supports the awesome work that ITDP does in these villages in Thailand. It's called Hill Tribe Hope. And so we partner with City Bible Church, with Mount Albert Baptist, and with St Andrew's Church down in Central Hawke's Bay. And as part of this group of churches, we, we fund a lot of what is going on in a few villages over in in um, this part of Thailand. So just to give you a little little hint, I think, oh, is it the next one? No, it's not. Um, I'll do this first. So keep going. This, um, this just shows you a little bit of the work that has happened. And so the team that went, Brad and Mark and a few others went over the first time to look and scout around. And then we sent another team in, and Zach and um, Kim got to be part of that team and they went over and they helped work in this village and they built this cool water tower over here, which we got to see. There might be another photo of it, and the toilet building up the top, um, and this is the ITDP logo. The, the people who organise ITDP, or who run ITDP, Becky and Mike. Wow, amazing. Becky actually joined us on our trip. She can talk, and I can talk too, and I've got to keep moving, because otherwise, my, I will, <laughs> sorry, I'll take it, I'll take Brad and Roland's time, so keep on going. Um, this, just to give you an idea of where we were, we flew from Bangkok, like Harrison said, on the scary flight up to Chiang Mai, just near the top of the picture, and then came all the way down to about where this orange dot is. So it was quite a long journey on the back of these things. We went through little villages, and we ended up in Maojo, where we stayed the night. But from Maojo, we visited two other villages. Oh, that's my house. Not my house, but that's where I got to stay with Anna. Isn't it gorgeous? Just so simple and so lovely. You see the toilet building? Out this back there. We, we had a little pact to wake each other in the night if we needed to go, because there are snakes as well, <laughs> which Kiwi people don't like very much, do they? We get a bit scared when it comes to snakes. But then we got to go on these cool um, rides on the back of the ute to the different villages. And so this one here is um, Crawl or Blur. And when we arrived, all the children were having their little afternoon sleep. They're so cute. And most of them were awake, and they were kind of looking at us, curious to see what we were. But there's a little girl in the middle, and you can't see it here, but she was absolutely dead to the world. She was just zoned out, so tired and so sleepy, and it was very, very cute. And we ate a meal there, and they, you know, they showed us a little bit of what they do in their classroom. And you can see over on the far side, Harrison, not so impressed about the eggs that he was given to eat. <laughs> so, yeah, you just eat what you get. They have a um, great source of protein is the eggs that they have, and so everything had egg in it, much to Harrison's disappointment, but he did well. We were proud of him. <laughs> this photo here I'll talk a little bit more about in a minute, but if we go on to the next one, this is Kramer Key, and so these are the water towers that Zach and Kim were part of building when they were over there, and at this... Um, this village we got to spend a little bit more time with the kids and they, they prepared a little show for us and they taught us this Thai dance which we really wanted to teach to you guys today. We talked to the youth a few weeks ago and it was lots of fun but maybe we'll pull that out later in the year and get you all up on a cold morning when you need to warm up. It was super fun. And we had taken frisbees over from here and so we gave the frisbees, they'd never seen a frisbee before and so we played frisbee with them which was really, really fun seeing them just come out of their shell. So we loved it. But the teachers here, just oh, we got to observe them with the children, and they just really impressed us. The heart for their kids, the kids just absolutely adore these teachers. And what, what's amazing is that these teachers, you know, they've trained to be teachers. They could choose to work anywhere in, in Thailand. They could be comfortable in the city, but they have chosen to live really simple lives on mission for Jesus out in these villages with these kids. And it's just, a, it's just an inspiration. They were just really cool. I just loved spending time with them and... Yeah, the simple life for Jesus is pretty inspiring. 
Yeah. So um, here we have a photo of the kids. They're actually holding a photo of our kids from here. And so you can see over on the side there, that was from the event that we ran the week before we went to Thailand called Splash. And so we had a big water party um, with the children here and raised some money. And then when we went over there, we were fortunate that the, the team over at ITDP had used the money that we raised to buy some different resources that the schools needed and we were able to take them with us when we went there so it was nice to be able to see the kids and see their faces and oh they're so cute aren't they so super cute yeah so, uh, so it's nice to be able to report back and we will report back to the children and, and our church ministry and just show them a little bit about what they were able to do make a difference in this part of, of Thailand for these children yeah um, we brought back with us a few Things that we can sell that also help over in Thailand. So here's Harrison, nice smile. <laughs> he, um, this is at Rahab. You can see there's millions of toys. We actually bought, I think, three basketfuls of toys. And we've sold quite a few of them already, but there are some more. We've set up a little table out the back. So if you want to buy a toy, the proceeds go to Rahab, which Harrison mentioned, um, the organisation that, that just, just tries to free people out of the slavery of prostitution in Bangkok. And we've also got bags, which are made by some of the Hilltrite villages. And we've also got coffee, which is probably what you guys want the most, really, isn't it? <laughs> and the, the coffee, the organized, you know, they put together this Lamai, and the, the people who work for Lamai work for free, and all the, pro, all the profits of it go back into these communities and back into giving the schools the funding that they need and the, the hostels where the children stay when they go to the schools and um, also to the different farmers to, you know, replenish their stocks and things. And so it's just a really neat way of being able to show love to this part of the world. It's very exciting to see what God is doing up there. So I just want to pray because, yeah, let's, let's just pray and honour God for the cool stuff that he's doing over there. Lord, you are good. And man, I could talk for so long about all the neat things that we saw that, that you were doing in Thailand through people and, and partners that we have over there. Thank you for the privilege that you have given us to be involved in supporting what they do. I just want to honour you, God, for what you're doing in that country. It is just exciting to see, and it was exciting for us to be part of. So would you um, give these people over there who are doing stuff for you a new sense of passion and purpose? Give them the strength and help them to recognise that you are the sufficient one who will, who will meet their needs and who will give them the strength to be on mission for you. You are good, God, and we love you, and we just thank you for being busy in our world. Thank you for caring. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Well done. I'm um, personally really excited about what we are doing as a church in Thailand. Uh, I had the privilege, uh, as they said, of going on the very first exploratory trip with Mark and Owen Jennings. And um, to go to those villages, to stay in those villages, I'm smiling seeing some of the images because um, I've got to go there as well. Um, what they didn't just help you understand is that the four churches in New Zealand, us and these three other churches, we are paying the salaries of those four teachers in those two villages. So what we are doing as a church is actually helping this organisation, ITDP, actually give an education to these kids. And they've been at this for so long in Thailand that actually... Um, more and more of people in these villages are coming to faith in Jesus just through what they are doing. So it's very exciting and really cool. Um, but I'm not here to talk about Thailand. I'm here to talk about Nepal, which is the second trip that happened this year in April. Roland and Elaine 
uh, have been are going overseas six times every year at the moment with BSL, and uh, I and my son Logan got to join them in Nepal. And so Roland is just going to basically explain what BSL is doing. Sure. Before I do that, um, that that's a great shirt you've got there. Thank you. I mean, I have got a Nepali shirt, but I forgot to bring it here. But I did actually buy this in uh, Myanmar. So oh. I don't know if that qualifies. That qualifies. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a great privilege to talk about um, Barnabas School of Leadership. How it came about was that uh, two years ago, uh, my whole life changed. I uh, had handed a ministry called Living Stones that I'd been leading for 10 years over to a bunch of uh, very dynamic young men. And uh, Elaine was a little bit concerned that, I, that I'd be under her feet and be at home all day <laughs> and that kind of thing. So somehow or other, God um, intervened and gave us a fresh challenge. And uh, what happened was I was invited to a, a large congress uh, called the Global Proclamation Congress in uh, Bangkok, Thailand. And um, there were 3,000 pastors there from 120 countries, and there's only about 50 of us with white skin. And, um, and so you know what those conferences are like. You, you say, well, what do you do? What do you do? And, um, and I would um, tell people my little, what I call my little Myanmar story, which was essentially like about six years ago, I started going once a year uh, to Myanmar just to conduct a quite large pastors' conferences all over Myanmar. Uh, but I got a little bit um, disillusioned with going in, rocking in, doing a conference, never seeing the people again. And so I talked to the local pastor and um, said, look, how about we do something a little bit more like Jesus and just gather groups of people, uh, pastors that maybe 30 or so pastors, and do a, um, a sort of a four-module process um, so th there's a slide here. Um, all that, what, what I need to probably talk about is that um, at that conference, I was overwhelmed by the number of countries that said, that's exactly what we want. Could you come now, <laughs> not wait two or three years? And so what we prayed about it, and the three countries that we currently work in, uh, uh, Myanmar, Nepal, and Ghana, and so what we've come up with is what I think is really um, helping pastors, what I would call under-resourced pastors in the majority or the developing world. And um, it, it amounts to four modules. So the first module, which is a one-week, um, is on servanthood. And we go to the Gospels and look at Jesus as the true servant and go to the book of Acts to talk about Barnabas as being an outstanding, encouraging servant. And then um, module two um, is on leadership, and that's the one that um, Brad and I taught uh, in Nepal. Uh, module three is on mentorships, where we look, on, uh, look at Second Timothy and um, leading like Paul and Timothy. And then the last one uh, on character in the Sermon on the Mount. And it, it, it's really incredible um, to watch God at work. It's almost like because we go back um, four times over two years. And each of these um, are for a week at a time, aren't yeah, they? Each of like them, a block course. Yeah, each yep. of them are a week, and, we, and they're all in a hotel together, and we're with them. Um, it's almost as if 
it's a relational or a mentoring mm. approach to building um, really resourcing pastors and and I don't know I think that's what God um, helped me put together and and Brad it just just amazing to mm. watch it you know what God's up to it was really cool I mean I've journeyed with Roland as he's kind of figured this out and kind of followed the lead of God and kind of put this together. But to actually go and be part of this was really amazing. And what I kind of love about BSL is it fits us as a church in a different way to Thailand. Thailand, we're getting to go in there and do education and humanitarian and sanitation and all this kind of stuff through IDDP and really meet people's basic needs through the name of Jesus. And, and people are coming to faith through all of that. What BSL gives us a chance to do as a church is to go into a different country but do leadership development and training of pastors. Mm. And it was really cool. Um, for me, it was all a bit uh, surreal. Um, this is a shot of um, the, the, the district or the city of Bhaktapur, which is one of the three main cities in the Kathmandu Valley. So we know the name Kathmandu, which is the capital, but it's actually three cities. And this is Bhaktapur looking out from our hotel was kind of up up the top, um, looking out across the, the valley. I have to say the first 24 hours in Nepal were like massive culture shock and sensory overload for me. Um, the only cross-cultural stuff I've ever done is that trip four years ago to Thailand. And so when I got to Nepal, I was just like, whoa, it's, um, it was different, it was loud, it was dirty, it was like people everywhere... And my first 24 hours were just like, man, alive. And the thing that got me, um, interesting that Harrison talked about the traffic in Thailand, it was the traffic in Nepal that got me. And I thought the traffic in Thailand had been bad. And then I went to Nepal. It's quite funny. Have, have a look at this. Hi there. We are in Bhaktapur, which is one of the districts in the Kathmandu Valley. And we're out on one of the main roads. just insane and it was the number of motorbikes on the road that actually got me. There are motorbikes, this shot here is through the front windscreen and there are bikes everywhere and, and no one worries about the lanes like on the road. So everyone's just all in and you come to a, a traffic light and all these motorbikes just slip in in front of you and everything and all of the drivers have to wear um, helmets so all of the riders on the motorbike, the drivers are wearing the helmets but none of the passengers, so if they're carrying a passenger on the back, none of them have got a helmet on. And so, in fact, this lady here, she's holding her baby. 
And so that's the way heaps of many people get around on motorbikes. And they're all honking. So all the time we're driving and there's honking everywhere. And it's not angry honking like some of you really bad people do when you drive. <laughs> I would never do that, of course. Um, but the honking going on is actually, it's a, it's a gentle, just a honk or a honk honk, just to let you know, I'm about to pull out into traffic. I'm about to cut in front of you. I'm about to go out right into the other oncoming traffic and honk at them to let them know I'm doing a passing manoeuvre. Maneuver. It was completely insane. But my first 24 hours were just like, whoa, this is insane. And then we jumped on a tiny little pencil plane called, uh, with, flown by Yeti Air. Yep, Yeti Air. Which mm. you booked. <laughs> <laughs> and and if thought... anything had happened, it would have been your fault. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and we flew up to the, the city of Polkara where we did a week-long uh, module. Uh, yeah. for BSL, and Polkara was is a little bit more touristy, um, and so it was a little bit more western, there was a couple of cafes we found that just kind of kept me sane. Yeah, I mean, and you didn't mention that we, you had Logan with you, Oh yeah. and I mean, like, my greatest joy as a granddad yeah. uh, was to listen to Harrison and mm. to have Logan yeah. with us, I mean, mm. I don't know, those of you, the grandparents, know what that would mean. Yeah. But for me, though, the culture shock of being in Nepal was very quickly replaced by um, the huge honour of meeting these Nepali pastors. So um, this is just a few of them. As we were gathering up on that hill where we filmed the welcome today to look at the beautiful Himalayas, which were completely shrouded in cloud, and we got nothing <laughs> after a 5am start. But to meet some of these um, church leaders was absolutely amazing. We had 32 of them at that module, um, 28 men, four women, and they were just astounding um, to me. Um, the gentleman um, above Roland's left shoulder in the leather jacket, his name is RP. He's the national director of uh, BSL in Nepal, and this beautiful, softly spoken, genuine pastor of people. It was amazing to meet him. Yeah. Um, the gentleman on, right above Roland's right shoulder was one of the really quiet people, and I've actually written an article. We're releasing a next issue of Portal magazine in a couple of weeks, and I've written an article, and uh, I, I went back after having a, a meeting with him and just a chat and asking him about his life and ministry and praying with him, and I went back to the room I was sharing with Logan and said, I've just met the Apostle Paul. This guy, um, in, in the cream vest there and the cool-looking hat, quiet, hardly said boo, he's been a pastor 20 years, He's planted 11 churches. They have planted 26 more daughter churches. So he runs and oversees 37 churches like the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts. Just lives in a village, evangelizes, plants a church, builds us up, trains leaders, goes to the next village, does it all over again. And I was just like mm. blown away. There you go, Harataki and Shona. Yeah, you're just <laughs> at the beginning. <laughs> um, and honestly... Uh, Two things hit me. Number one, I never realised how blessed I was, both like financially mm. and, and wealth and everything in our country. We are wealthy as, and I've always thought as a pastor, I, I, I'm not wealthy and I am totally wealthy. But even more than that, for the very first time in my life, I realised how blessed I am by my education, both in the Western world but also the theological education I've been given. 
and to be able to go and minister to these, these pastors and to teach them God's word in a, in a way that they've just never had exposure to before was seriously amazing. Yeah, I mean, they have, when we talk about under-resourced, um, they don't have any commentaries. They don't have people that can teach uh, with the depth that Brad teaches. And to be able, we don't have much to teach them in the area of yeah. church planting and evangelism. We have nothing to teach them <laughs> on church planting but, and evangelism. But we have everything to bless them with in terms of taking courses and teaching yeah. and enriching them that way. Yeah. Mm. So I want, to meet, I want you to meet one of these pastors today. We filmed a series of um, videos um, just introducing them, and this is going to take five minutes, but we, you're going to meet Pastor Ananda. Uh, Ananda is, is one of the, the leaders here. He's in the the jacket and the Nike hat to the right of the guy in cream. And um, his English is relatively good, but you might have to work just a little bit to hear him. But this is just me interviewing him and finding out both about his ministry, but also the way BSL has really blessed him. Right, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your family? Yeah, I am Ananda Tama. Um, I live with my wife and two sons and a girl. Mm-hmm. First one is uh, 18 years, my first son, and second son is 14. Uh, my youngest one is a girl, who is uh, just seven. Cool. Yeah, so we are fine in the family. Awesome. Yeah. Can you tell me about your ministry, the church you pastor? Yeah, I serve as a pastor of a church called Himalayan Isai Mandali in uh, Kathmandu. Uh, actually, it's in Lalitpur district. Uh, it's a relatively new church, just about three years. Um, yeah, I serve as the pastor and I... You know, there are many roles actually in the pastor. Being a new church, I have many roles. Um, as a mentor, disciple, um, yeah, so, yeah. And were you pastoring before you planted this new church? Right, yeah, I was working in a village, in a place called Jiwit before I came into Kathmandu. I served, uh, I planted a couple of churches in Jiwit and served as pastor for about seven and a half years, uh, which to originally not my place, but I moved into that place as a, as a internal missionary, I would say, domestic missionary, and went there, and we had a Bible college there, uh, I served as the director of the Bible training there, a leadership training, at the same time, church, church planter, and we have a kind of indigenous ministry organization mm-hmm. that works all across the uh, remote areas around Mount Everest, Mount Everest, and we to Mount Everest, awesome. and yeah, it, it is just great experience of serving the Lord in some of the most difficult places of the country. Yeah, God called me to come into Kathmandu, and we, uh, I won't be saying that I really planted this church, but it was a relatively small group of people, and, and we started to gather together and you know, continue as, as a church. So it's, it's interesting, it's exciting, and the things that God's been doing in our church, yeah. Wonderful. Right. Can you tell me about uh, Barnabas School of Leadership and what you've enjoyed so far? The Barnabas School of Leadership uh, speaks to the heart. 
that's the main, main thing that I really like, like about, about our School of Leadership. This particular material, uh, the last module, and even this module also, it's really spoken to my heart in many ways, especially when I mentor and disciple many younger leaders, uh, which I do relative, you know, regularly on a re regular basis, more than 15 young leaders from different churches, and even from my churches also, my core group. As I prepare those, those materials to teach them, and I find myself a spirit of God really is keeping trans, he keeps transforming me. Um, and I've seen the impact of, the, of, of that material. Of course, it's God's word and the way it is designed. Um, I've really seen this how uh, people, the leaders that I've been mentoring for quite, quite some time already now, um, that they are, they are changed, they're their reactions and their response toward toward their ministries, their view toward ministry, their ministry roles, especially, and it's just uh, exciting and it's just so humbling. But mm. every time I go back to the material, I really find that it directly speaks to my heart, which is the main thing of, of I think of Barnabas School. So it's not only about skills. Um, it's about preparing you inside so that you'll be able to perform skillfully so that you will be able to contribute toward the building up of the Church of uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm so grateful, so thankful for, for the material. And one of the things that I really admire Roland Foreman as my spiritual mentor is um, that he, every time we meet, every time I talk, when we, we get to talk, he really speaks to the heart. Um, and he speaks to the real situation. And so, yeah, that's that's my impression uh, of Barlow School of Leadership, and I'm just thankful for, for this great privilege to be part of this program. Yeah. Thank you. Wonderful. Amazing leaders. It's a huge honour uh, to go teach there. Uh, to them. And the thing I love about uh, BSL is that part of what Roland's designed is that the material we teach, so we lectured through Nehemiah on leadership, but then they take that material in smaller, uh, easier to handle materials, and they take that back home, and they then mentor other pastors and the leaders of their own churches, and some of them have got multiple church plants and seven branches and all kinds of things, and so they're taking this and then teaching that over the six months, so. It's cool. Going forward, you have got countless numbers of countries after you to come and bring this. How can we be, as a church, as we partner with you and BSL, how can we be praying for you? Uh, well, the first thing really is exactly that, um, Brad. Um, uh, you mentioned the multiplication, that man more like the Apostle Paul. So the, in all of the three countries that we work in, uh, they're all about multiplication. They don't just want to have one Barnabas School of Leadership. They're already, Nepal is planning to have seven in each of the seven states. Um, we work in, in Ghana, and in the, the 35 uh, pastors that are there, um, they, that represents nine countries, and each of those countries wants to have a Barnabas School of Leadership. So you can understand that that is a massive challenge. I, I really don't know how to solve that. And we are constantly praying and believing that God somehow has got an answer in there mm. for us. And the second part of that and related to that is our desire is to have this as, an, as much as possible an indigenous ministry. 
And so that's why we're investing in people like Ananda. I mean, I do Facebook message with him once a month and try to kind of see them as the future of BSL. Mm. I mean, I think you and I have a a short-term investment, Mm. but long-term it's only going to flourish if it's local people leading it. Um, The last one, um, quickly, is is really more of a praise point rather than a a prayer point, and that is thank you for those of us that are, those of you that are already partnering with us. Um, Our Araha community group is investing in a small church plant in Mandalay, and we've already raised a bit of money to get them plastic chairs and and a, a projector screen and all sorts of things. And, and thank you for the, to the Araha community group. Thank you for those of you that have given sacrificially to some of these projects. And if, if you do want to know how you could be involved or your community group could kind of link in some way, come and talk to me afterwards. Cool. But Brad, it's just an amazing journey. We had really fun, is. didn't we? <laughs> we sure did. Mm. Hey, can, I, uh, can I pray one of the things, the comments they made... Um, they have a local board for BSL, so we had the privilege of sitting in on a board meeting at the end of our time there. And the, the Nepali board, the chairman of that board, a wonderful man, he told us that right now the church in Nepal per capita is growing faster than anywhere else in the world. It's just exploding here. Um, and that's why BSL is necessary, because there are all these churches starting and pastors are just having to step up with no training at all. At the same time, persecution is on the rise. And so right now, um, pastors and evangelists um, are being harassed and at times thrown into prison and stuff, which they love because they just think that multiplies the gospel even more. Um, But I want to pray for our brothers and sisters, many of whom um, now have the Botany Life app on their smartphone and are dialing in. So if you are watching us today in Nepal, Jemasi, it's wonderful to have you with us. Let's pray. A number of them have already started preaching the Jonah series. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty cool. God, we want to pray uh, for these wonderful men and women in Nepal who are leading your church. Thank you for the amazing job they're doing, for their passion for you, their commitment to you. They made me feel like a spiritual pygmy next to them. They were amazing. We lift them to you, pray for them your protection on them as they continue to take your gospel out and just share it with as many people as they can. God, I want to pray for BSL in Nepal and that tremendous board and for RP as he leads that. Give them wisdom to know how to multiply this in their country. And God, for Roland and and the international BSL board here in New Zealand, I pray for tremendous wisdom to know what on earth to do with all of these requests coming to them about how to, how to multiply this and take this to other countries. Would you just give them tremendous wisdom to know what to do and would you provide the resources they'll need uh, as they try and meet this great need around the world. Thanks for the privilege we have of doing this small amount of uh, partnership and ministry as a church together. In your name, amen. You want to clap, don't you? You feel like you want to clap? Yeah. Isn't it just cool, like, hearing what God is up to in the world and that we just get to have a little glimpse of that and hear a little bit about that, about what he's up to. He's an incredible God, and he is at work everywhere. And he has a great sense of humor. 
Um, I've just spent the last few days at Livingstone's um, National Conference, and I'll tell you what, there were some incredible, uh, inspiring, passionate speakers who just captured me, who just broke me down, who encouraged me, inspired me. But not everyone did. <laughs> there was one session there that I totally zoned out. Um, people around me were falling asleep. Um, I was sitting in, the, in a couch in the, was that Mike? Uh, in the foyer. Brad's mic's still on. He's laughing. Um, I actually left halfway through and went down the road to get some coffees. Um, yeah. But you know what? <laughs> Something that he said that I somehow picked up through my haze uh, and through my disinterest, really, you've seen up on the screen here, uh, really stuck with me. And he said, God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. And I think we've seen a really powerful picture of that this morning. Firstly, um, we'll just, we've just heard from um, Brad and Roland about Nepal and the Nepali pastors there who were hearing under-resourced, who are just thrown into it, suffering persecution, lacking resources, needing help, but God has called them and they have answered that call and now... He's equipping them through the work of Barnabas School of Leadership. How good is that? Yay, God. How cool to be a part of that. How cool to be a part of what God is doing, to be the hand of God at work in Nepal, in Myanmar, in Ghana. Tremendously exciting. In Thailand, amongst all the inspiration and great stories that we had there and the partners that we heard from, and the amazing people that we talked to. Amongst all of that, we heard stories of, of inadequacy, of reluctance, of a couple of women in particular. Um, one from our first trip, Pry. Uh, we met her again this time, but on our first trip there, Brad and, and Owen and I spent some time listening to Pry's story. She's a, uh, she was a corporate accountant. Any people working in the finance industry in the room here, accountants, any corporate accountants, Daniel Hershey? Um, and she felt the call of God on her life to go and work in Pat Pong, red light district in the heart of, of Bangkok, to reach prostitutes. She felt quite out of her depth. She felt inadequate. She felt ill-equipped. And she responded. And now she is one of the directors. Oh, man. She's one of the directors of, of Rahab, doing an amazing work there, um, being the hands and feet of Christ for those women. That's worth a clap, isn't it? Yay, pride. Chunjit, literally a tiny little woman, like I'd say, am I, I'm not exaggerating here, I don't think, so short, I... I, I, when everyone was hugging to, to say goodbye and stuff, I just walked away. I don't, I don't even know how I'm going to do that. Like, so, achieve that. Um, so, <laughs> but she shared about I mean, her reluctance, her sense of um, inadequacy around you know, step, going to work. She felt called to go and work in a Thai men's prison. This tiny little lady, but she is doing it, and she is doing incredible things there. She is giving, being, literally being awarded for her work in Thai men's ministry, uh, Thai prisons, um, the youth remand centres. She's just um, giving shelter and hope to these young guys. Um, yeah, you'll hear more about that later on. But 
She is someone who God called and then later equipped. Something that really struck me from, um, from the partnerships that we saw as well, and I'm sure the same for in, in Nepal, was that all of their lives were centered around their ministry. It wasn't something that they were tacking on. The stuff they're doing, doing for God uh, wasn't a tack on to their lives. This was at the core of their lives and something that um, everything else revolved around. And so that was an incredible challenge to me. And it also, it also struck me that while we're here talking about this, this global ministry, um, it, for them it's local. This is their lives. This is their, their country. These are their people. Um, and I think that has tremendous, um, I guess there's a tremendous challenge for us as well when we think about where we are locally, whether we're here in Botany, whether we're in, in Hastings, uh, wherever you are listening or watching online. What is your local space? We're talking this year about love right where you are. Where, where are you that you are right where you are? Where is that? And what is God calling you to do there? What is God calling you to do that makes you feel uncomfortable? Because that's probably the thing he wants you to do. Even if it scares you, even if you don't feel equipped, what is he calling you to do? If you're feeling weak, if you're feeling inadequate, if you are feeling ill-equipped for your assignment, you are in very good company. You know, followers of Jesus for centuries have felt exactly like this from the first disciples. The disciples, they were very, very ordinary people, very ordinary people like you and me. They weren't the most highly educated, charismatic, influential people that, that you could find. In fact, in many ways, they were pretty hopeless. Jesus probably should have picked some smarter people. Well, as it turned out, he called these ordinary people and he did something extraordinary through them. He literally changed the world. So I think if we take, it, take time in our lives to reflect on what is it that God is calling us to do here locally, hear the challenge that sounds from Nepal, from Thailand, of these people that God has called and then equipped, what is God calling you to today? You know, at the end of the Living Stones conference, uh, Nick, I was going to call him Nick Street, Nick, Nick Field from the Street City Church in, in Wellington, um, he offered this beautiful benediction, and I think it is incredibly fitting. It's from the end of Hebrews, chapter 13. And you know what, I'm going to ask you guys to stand, because I'm going to give you this benediction, and I'm going to pray this over you. Will you stand? This is just stunning. I'm going to finish with this. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever and add as many evers as you like on the end of that. Amen. That's our service. Thank you for being with us today. Go and follow your call.